says, when the disciples reach the other side, they have forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing among themselves, saying, it is because we brought no bread. But Jesus rolled his eyes. It's in the Greek now. But Jesus, aware of this, don't you feel like sometimes he's like, I don't, know, I don't even know what to do with you. Because I know he rolls his eyes at me. Like, this is the kind of relationship we got. Sometimes we're like, oh, boy. Oh, you of little faith, why are you disgusted among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not discern? We've been talking about this for weeks. Do you not remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand? I'm not speaking about bread. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but that the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So what is Jesus talking about here? Is he trying to help us become better bakers? To know what yeast to use and not use? Don't use yeast sold by Pharisees. No, he's not talking about that at all. He's talking about what we allow into our lives. That what we allow to come in unchecked by the truth of the kingdom of God that we give place to in our lives. And so he's using this analogy of yeast of leaven that comes in in a little bit, but ruins a lot. First of all, he's using this because yeast is a common product. It's used all over the world, right? Yeast is used all over the world to make things like bread and cakes and all sorts of pastries. It's an agent that of increase. It's an agent that causes things to rise, to grow, make something bigger. But the problem is, throughout most of the Bible, as you read the Bible, yeast symbolizes sin, wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, selfish, self-focused mentalities. It goes all the way back, it starts here in Exodus chapter 12, when, when God is trying to get the children out of Egypt, right? Out of slavery, out of oppression, out of the tyranny of the world. It's, he's trying, this is a symbol of salvation. He's saving them. And in verse 15, he says, look, I want to let you know, get all of the leaven out of your house. Don't bake with it. Don't take it with you because I'm trying to do something holy here. We have to recognize that there are some things that are in our houses that have been there during our oppression, because of our oppression, that has satisfied us in the midst of our oppression, that God is saying just because it's in your cabinet, it shouldn't go with you on the journey. It's okay. He's not even, did you understand? He's not even saying you're bad for having it. He's just saying don't take it with you. There's some stuff that's in us that's not meant to go with us on the journey towards Jesus. Why? Because he's trying to do a holy thing. The issue is it doesn't need to be a lot. It doesn't need to be a lot of negativity, a lot of offense. A lot of disappointment, a lot of gossip, a lot of lust, a lot of self-focus. It only takes a little bit to work its way through the whole goal. That's what Galatians 5, 9 says. A little, a little leaven works its way through the whole loaf. Do you realize that literally all you have to take is about that much that I just poured, and that will make dozens of rolls. That's all it takes, is a little bit of that unchecked by the grace of God, unchecked by the Word of God, for it to rise. And how many of you know it usually tends to rise at the wrong time? Because it will stay hidden, it will stay unseen until it affects everything in our life. And then all of a sudden, everyone's leaving, everyone thinks this, everyone, you, you went from being not offended to being over-offended... In one minute. Why? Because the leaven has been there for so long. And the enemy will use it. All the leaven that we accept to undermine our lives. It's why Jesus, time and time again, says, guard your heart and your mind. We've got to guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. We have to willingly and intentionally take thoughts captive and bring it into obedience to Jesus Christ. Do, do, you, know, do you know how yeast actually works? It releases... Uh, carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide causes, the little bubbles cause everything to rise. But here's the problem with carbon dioxide. 
in concentrated forms, it's poisonous to you and I. Carbon dioxide left untended in compartmentalized spaces will kill you. It's why we have carbon monoxide detectors in our house. Why? Because when the, it gets going and it gets concentrated, it'll kill us. That's why we need, we need leaven detectors in our life. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. We shouldn't be upset when the Spirit puts, points out something in our life that doesn't line up with the things of God. We should be grateful that we're going to deal with it now before it becomes so concentrated it kills us. The truth is, my friends, this means we cannot quarantine or compartmentalize sin. We can't do it. The very nature of leaven is to spread to spread throughout everything in every area. We can't keep it in, well, this is my church life, and this is my other life. This is, this is my life that I'll let God speak into, here's my other life. It goes everywhere. Brokenness, misaligned beliefs, self-focused attitude, wrong agreements will eventually affect everything in our life. Everything. It's why Jesus warns us, be watchful. Be watchful. I love that Greek word. It means to stand on guard. To actually, he's telling you to guard your life. To make sure you intentionally stand guard over what you allow to come into your life. Be careful what you allow in. But maybe some of us are saying, but isn't this really irrelevant for today? I mean, we don't really have Pharisees and Sadducees today, do we? I mean, why is this even being taught today? Well, that's a good question. Do we have Pharisees and Sadducees? Well, let's talk about what the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were a religious group. They were what we would say church people today who were the religious morality police. They were always looking to correct others but unwilling to acknowledge any issue they had in themselves. They were quick to make sure that everybody's focus was on what someone else was doing wrong. Picking out their, listen, their issue that they were allergic to and making sure, if they were allergic to gluten, everybody better know gluten's bad. Because it was an issue for them. But they were unwilling to change inside of themselves. Jesus said that they're whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside. They have this beautiful persona. But they're dead. They have no spiritual life inside of themselves. The Sadducees were leaders in the temple. They had power and money. And they didn't want anything to get in the way of their idea of success. So they were happy to follow the law as long as it promoted their successful lives. I'm happy to follow the law as long as it blesses me. I'm happy to be with Jesus and do what God says as long as it blesses me. There's another group that finds its way in there as well, by the way. Jesus adds one more group in Mark 8. He says, beware the leaven of Herod or the Herodians. Herod was the king of the Jewish people at the time. And he had a group of people called the Herodians whose political agendas overrode, overrode holy commands. You've heard me say time and time again, in the kingdom of God, there's no aisles, there's only an altar. There's no religious right. Come on, somebody. There is no aisles. There's just an altar. We all have to surrender to it. We have to remember that these groups that we're talking about, they were the social media of the time. They were the influencers. They were, the, they were everywhere you went. They were involved in every area of your life. They told you how you should eat, shouldn't eat, should act, shouldn't act, could wash your hands, couldn't wash your hands, how you could date, couldn't date, how you looked at people, not looked at people, walked, didn't walk, where you go, when you go, how you go, how long you go. They were the original influencers. They were the original TikTok influencers, right? They were... They had it on. Lots of views. So are they still around today? I don't know. The Pharisees saw the word through the lens of how it could make them better than other people. The Sadducees saw it through the lens of how it could bless them and make them successful. And the Herodians saw it through the lens of how they could use it to push their political agendas. I don't know about you, but it seems like it's live and well today. And I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside its walls. 
I think the interesting thing about leaven or yeast, and it's why it's no mistake Jesus uses it here, is that it only survives and thrives. This is so crazy to think about. It only survives and thrives in lukewarm water. Hot water kills it. Cold water kills it. In order for yeast to survive, it needs a lukewarm area to rest in. Isn't that interesting why Jesus tells us in Revelation 3.16, he says to the church of Laodicea, man, I see all the things you're doing. I see all the works you've got going on. But this thing I've got against you is that you let your heart go lukewarm. Man, why is Jesus saying that? Is lukewarmness just something he doesn't like? No, he understands that in a lukewarm area, a lukewarm heart, a lukewarm life, it is an environment for the leaven of the enemy to thrive and survive. And it's so easy to give it room. Can I be honest? It's so easy. I'd love to stand up here and go, I have no problem with yeast and leaven in my life. I'm so holy. There's not one of us that can stand up here and say that. Because it comes in in so many different ways. Sometimes it comes in through ignorance. We just didn't know it was there. There are things, I have been saved over 30 years. I've been doing ministry over 30 years. There are still things I'm still finding out about myself. Still layers of crap that are there underneath other crap that he dealt with. And then I thought, man, I've, I, I got through it. And he said, no, you just got deeper in it. And it's all right. doesn't make me a bad person. It makes me human. But there's things that have been in us for so long, we didn't even know that were there. Now, I, this is a, <laughs> about two months ago. I was gaining weight at a surprising rate. And, 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 and it, was, it was shocking to me because I had started to change the way that I eat. I started to run again, kind of get back into that. But I was still gaining weight. It was frustrating to me. I didn't understand why. Until I went to the grocery store and I picked up a drink mix that I use to, to, to put into my water. Because when I work out, I drink a lot of water. But I don't like to drink just water. I usually put something in it. Right? And, 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 and I, as I picked it up, I, learned, I turned it around and read on the back on the instructions... That it was a hundred calories a serving. I drink like a fish. I'm saying there were thousands of empty calories coming into my life. If I actually drank alcohol, I'd have a problem. I drink, tell D.D. knows, I drink all the time. So there's thousands of calories coming in. Here's my problem. I didn't know that it actually had calories. Because the liquid form of it that I put in my little bottles of water is calorie free. So I had assumed that it's the same maker, the same brand, the same lemonade stuff. It would contain the same stuff in it. I didn't read the label. And it was harming me. How many things have we not read the law? I mean, I, I heard it from this church or I heard it from that pastor. I read it on this Christian blog. We have just assumed that because it has the same label on it, Come on, somebody. That is producing the same ingredients. We didn't read the label. That's why we have to get back to the Word of God. We have to come back to the Word, to the Word, to the Word, to the Word, to the Word. David says in Psalm 119, verse 11, I intentionally hide the Word of God in my heart. Why? Because I know that if I don't, my heart will follow things that are not of God. That's what it will do. I have to intentionally put it inside of my life. And I think at times, I know for me, we get frustrated, right? Because we've changed lots of things. We started to eat different. We we started to exercise. And we're still getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Do you know why? Because you still got the drink inside of you. You didn't read the label. Sometimes it comes in through arrogance. I think this is a big one in, in, in modern Christianity. And I know when we talk about arrogance, we're thinking that I mean like the guy with the puffed up chest who thinks he's the big man on campus. I'm not talking about that at all. Because as Christians, we've cleaned up arrogance. We've just made it nicer. It's just piousness. Which was at the heartbeat of the Pharisees. Which is at the heartbeat of modern Christianity. To shape the exterior of, of our lives in such a way as to make people believe we've got it when we don't. 
But I want them to think that we've got it. And it ends up creating the persona of a disciple. And what's even worse, we begin to believe the lie that that persona is the real us. And it leads us to fall into a trap. The trap is it enables us to justify areas of our lack because we're doing so well in other areas of our life. We're like, I don't look at this area of our lack. It's okay because look at all the other good things I'm doing for God. It's like the shell game when you don't let someone see where the real pebble is underneath the card. But do you know what's so encouraging to me? That the man with the withered hand only got healed when he extended the misshapen hand to Jesus. It was only in extending what was broken that holiness and wholeness came. This is why so many of us are walking around with misshapen hands, still crippled, still broken, still unable because we are unwilling to actually allow people to see that we have a withered hand. But that's where healing comes. That's the wooing of the Holy Spirit you're hearing. Extend the hand. Why are you hiding it behind the back? Jesus doesn't judge him for having a withered hand. He has compassion and brings wholeness. But to these Pharisees who are only interested in building the persona, do you know what he says in Matthew 23, 23? You hypocrites. You play actors. You people wearing masks. You tithe off of everything you've got because people can see you doing it. But you have forgotten things like justice and mercy and compassion and faithfulness and love. You're happy to bring your tithe in because when you do, everyone sees you drop it in the offering plate. But you've forgotten what I'm really about, which is love and mercy and compassion. He says, look, it's not an either or. You should have done both. But when you're only willing, when our lives are designed to build a persona, we will do and put our energy on what other people see rather than actually who we really are. If our first response is, I can't believe that they did that. I would never do something like that. They're getting what they deserve. Piousness alert. Leaven alert. To these same religious folks. Same church-going folks. He says in Matthew 7, you're so busy finding the speck in your brother's eye, you're missing the giant plank that's in your own. This kind of life, my friends, will reinforce our persona of discipleship at the expense of actually being a person of discipleship. Sometimes, it comes into our life simply through acceptance. It's just part of our life. It's part of the culture we're living in and we grew up in. And we allow these outside forces and these experiences and these influences of our life to craft what we believe is just part of our life now. Maybe we have begun to believe it's so big that it will never not influence our life. Or maybe we believe it's really just so small it's not really a big deal. But either way, whenever we allow leaven to remain in our life and go unchecked by the truth and the power of God in our lives, it will ferment beneath the surface until it explodes onto the scene. Do you know what's so sad for me about the the Sadducees? See, they were sad, you see. I'm sorry, that's really a pastor joke, it's bad. They believed in nothing supernatural. Nothing. They accepted the fact that there was no heaven, that there were no angels, that there was no miracles, that there was no supernatural power of God. The, what, what you got in life is what you got in life, and whatever you were dealt, you just had to make the best out of it. That's what they believed. That's what they had accepted. Years ago, I remember, I was having this conversation with a man in our church, a young man in our church, who, and we were talking about marriage, and he was terrified of marriage. And he said, man, the reason why I'm terrified of marriage is because my grandparents are divorced, my parents are divorced, Almost everyone in my family, my aunts and uncles are divorced. Divorce is in my family. I know if I get married, divorce is in my future. And I'm sitting there thinking, the enemy has robbed this young man. The enemy has crafted a lie for this man to believe. 
That's the problem with what's going on. Things can be true about our experiences in life without having the power to be the author of our future. The truth is, my friends, we have a supernatural God. He has the power to break generational curses. He has the power to reshape broken pasts and lead them into resurrected tomorrows. He has the power to set you free from addiction and bondages that have been generationally placed inside of you through the sins of those who have gone before you. Come on, somebody. And set you free to live a life you never thought possible without Him. Jesus has enabled things to come to the cross and not go through the cross into your tomorrow. That's the kind of God that we serve. But the issue is, the issue is we minimize so many things in our life that affect our lives. We have an unhealthy relationship with minimalization. We do. I mean, look, when you minimize something on your screen, it doesn't go away. It just changes your level of focus on it. Have you ever minimalized something on your phone and then you flip your phone the other way and what you minimalize comes full screen? And you're like, I don't even know how this happened. You're pushing every button. Come on, D and I do this. Push it on this button, trying to get it off the full screen. Do you know why it can become full screen? Because we didn't delete it, we minimalized it. Over the past little while, I've been watching things on issues that the global church is facing. Many of them are our friends. People we've done life with and walked with challenges me. And it challenges me because the reason something is a big thing now is because we marginalized it as a small thing then. We just minimalized it. It's not really a big deal. Just a little bit of leaven. What's the big deal? And our flesh will always take the opportunity to press the envelope on these issues. Oh, don't get me wrong, the enemy hops in there, but it ain't the devil's fault. It's ours. I know in my life, I deal with this all the time. Just in watching some of these things, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta deal with my own stuff. Like, I, I know for a long time in church, there were arguments in our staff and between my between D and I, about how we count people in service. Like, how, how do you determine how many people are in church, especially when we have multiple services and multiple campuses, and we're trying to determine, and can I tell you, that's a really hard thing to do. But that wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't that it is difficult to determine how many people actually come to church when you have those factors. The issue was what those numbers said to me about me. What it said to me about how I lined up with other churches, other pastors, how how well I was doing my job in the eyes of God. It's nothing wrong with counting them. Come on. There's nothing. I minimalize. See, but if you minimalize something like that, it doesn't stay compartmentalized. Because it's not... Uh, it's not a, 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 a it's it's not a numbers issue. It's a leaven issue. It's an insecurity issue. An insecurity left unchecked by the grace of God, by the power of God, will raise its ugly head at any times. That's why you've been hearing us say in, in song uh, in, in um, Song of Solomon two verse fifteen, man, to, to catch the little foxes, as they so they don't ruin the vineyard that God's trying to make for your life. I'm not talking about perfection. None of us will be perfect until we cross the veil and are made like Him. But I'm talking about not justifying our imperfection. It really gets down to what we are allowing to set the acceptable picture for our lives. Is our standard holiness or satisfaction? I can't answer the question for you, but I can ask it. The truth is, it's not just one of these areas, it's all of them working line upon line that actually work through the whole dough. But can't you hear the kindness of Jesus? Not the harshness of correction for perfection, that's how I heard it growing up. You better be, I'm going to correct you so you can be perfect. Can't you hear him just saying, come on, pay attention, wake up, stop allowing a little yeast in, it's doing more than you think. Guard against it. Why? Because there's a difference between the way believers 
and disciples respond to leaven. We've been talking about this over the last little while. The difference between the two. Believers are intoxicated by the persona of discipleship. By how we look to others. It's the anthem of modern Christianity. How do I look to others? What do I have to do to make sure that they see me differently? So the first thing we do in these instances is try to quarantine the issue. Keep it well hidden. Just make sure I do what looks right. The the trap that's in that is because we do that because that's the way that we believe God judges us. We believe that God judges us the same way that we judge others. By how many good actions we do. On the scale of good actions. Have I done enough good things? Then I'm good with God. And He'll bless me. If I haven't done enough good things, then I must be a bad person. I better get right. Because that's how we judge other people. If we're not doing what's right, we better get our act together. Because it's easier, to, it's easier to change what we do than who we are. That's why in Matthew 16, verse 1, right before this, the Pharisees and Sadducees were asking for Jesus to do something to prove who He was. My friends, this is in us. So when we hear the Word of God, when we hear Jesus challenging us, Our first response is, what do I have to do to prove that's already who I am? Tell me what I have to do to prove that's already who I am. Look at the response of the twelve. What is their response? Oh my gosh, we did something wrong. We need to do something better. Jesus is like, what are you talking about? That has nothing to do with it. And this has so much power in our modern Christianity because it gets back to the goal of Christianity. Do right and get blessed. So let me just correct the doing so I don't mess up the blessing. That's in us. That's been placed inside of you. If you've been around modern church for the last 15 years, that's been placed in you. Correct the doing so you don't mess up the blessing. But we end up like Samson. How many of you know, Samson had a lot of great exploits. He did a lot of powerful things, but he never dealt with the leaven inside of him. And sooner or later, it caught up with him. Judges 16, 16 says, And Delilah kept at him time and time again, and it vexed his soul to death. There was leaven around him and in him that kept pressing on him until it led him to do something that God had called him not to do. And the enemy was right there at the right time to cut off his hair. Every time he'll cut off his hair. That's why Jesus says, what good is it, my friends, if you and I gain the whole world? Everyone thinks we're great. We've got all the best social media. We've got... 10,000 social media followers. We've got 9 million likes on our views. Who cares if you gain the world to lose your soul? But this is what I know about my God. Even if we find ourselves in that situation, He's gracious. Because verse 22 says, The stubble on His head started to grow back. Because my God is a God of redemption. Can you hear the wooing of Jesus? Man, you've given in to the, to the leaven. Man, you've given in to your soul. You've got the enemy cut off your hair. But the wooing of my heart hasn't stopped towards you. I'm going to start making the hair on your head start to grow again. So when you touch the stubble, you remember the faithfulness of your God. Because just like God told the prophet in 1 Samuel chapter, six, uh, first, chapter 16, God doesn't look at the outside like you did with Saul. He looks at the heart. The truth is, my friends, where believers are intoxicated by the persona of discipleship, disciples seek intimacy with the person who makes us a disciple. They realize that Jesus is trying to lead us into being the person he created us to be. We are not doers, we are beers. Be holy. As the Lord your God is holy. Be. Being. How's my being? 
How's my heart? Discipleship, my friends, is about being. Having our very being changed. Don't get me wrong. Doing always comes out of being. But being rarely comes out of doing. Man, we used to have a saying in in our church world and in this church I hated from the beginning and I still hate it now. Fake it till you make it. Anyone who grew up in our youth ministry know what I'm talking about. Fake it till you make it. No! Because you know why? I've never seen anybody make it. I've seen them for it to become a habit, but not out of holiness. What it does is it creates a habit without any true holiness. The question we should be asking at any time anything comes towards us is how will this affect who I am made to be? How will this affect my intimacy with Jesus, the one I'm meant to be with? Because this is what leaven does. Leaven separates us from that. Leaven undermines our holiness. Leaven clouds our ears. It's like those Bose sound system earmuffs that you can't hear anything else. You can only hear what's in those earmuffs. You can't hear what's outside. And the Spirit of God is wooing you. And you've got the leaven earmuffs on. And you're wondering why heaven is silent. And you're wondering why you haven't heard from God. And you're wondering why there's no breakthrough. And you're wondering why you're still lonely. And you're wondering why you're still hurting. And you're wondering why there's still so much pain. Because we've got the leaven earmuffs on. The voice is still going. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was looking good without any internal change. That's why we have to read the Bible in context. Right before this in Matthew 15, Jesus had this huge argument with them because they were arguing with him about how he should and should not eat. And he said, man, it's not what goes into your body. It's not how you wash your hands or don't wash your hands, what you eat or don't eat that makes you unholy. It's not what goes in. It's what comes out of you that makes you unholy. Because it's from the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. It's what's inside of you, not what is outside of you. Why are we working on the outside when we should be working on the inside? The inside will always manifest on the outside, but the outside rarely changes the inside. This is the leaven that we've been sold for so long. It's why we want the ten principles and the four keys and the eight thing patterns. No, here it is. You want to know how to get it? Man, if you're lonely, tell somebody. If you are in pain, you're going through some sin, talk to your forged or shoulder-to-shoulder leader. Let them pray with you. Get some good counsel in your life. If you've got some generational curses, get some brothers or sisters around you in this house that will lay hands on you and pray for you and stand with you in the gap. Don't fake it till you make it. Confess it till you break it. The reason that we don't is because we as a church, as a whole, capital C, have forgotten what Paul tells us in Galatians 6.1. Man, if someone falls into sin, restore them gently. Don't call them out. Don't put them on blast. Don't shame them or make them feel guilty. Come by them and say, look, man, you got some leaven in your life. It's cool. I had leaven in my life too. Let's go to the only one who can break it. His name's Jesus. Because it ain't me, it's him. Did you see the next moment? We're going to close in just a second. Look at the next moment. Do you know what the next moment is in the story? Peter stands up. Despite everyone saying that Jesus is somebody else, he says, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And regardless of what other people say about me, and what I, regardless of what other people think, I know who you are. And that is what will solidify me as a disciple. That is what will enable me to grow. It's the kingdom of God that puts true leaven into our hearts. I love the parable Jesus tells in Matthew 13. He said the kingdom of God is like a little woman who puts, who hides, who hides leaven in a portion of the dough until it actually goes throughout the entire lump. She intentionally puts it in there. My friends, the difference is, the difference is believers allow things to come in and then hide them. Disciples intentionally put the Word of God in their lives and let it do its work. The real question is, 
What's rising in us? Because something is rising. Is it the leaven of offense? The leaven of holy, hopelessness or loneliness or piousness or doubt or disillusionment? Or is it the leaven of the kingdom and the king? Drawing us to him better. To be more in love with him. To do things from a place of worship. Not from a place of worth. Couldn't be further from the truth. I'm as messed up as everybody. I just count on the same grace from the same God that you do. I may be further down the road in lots of areas than some and not, fur- not, further, not far enough down the road as others. I need grace. How about you? But I can't allow that grace to justify my imperfection. I need to allow that grace. I need to apply that grace to my areas of imperfection so that his power can be made perfect in my weakness. When the crippled man extended his hand, and he didn't hide it behind his back, when he extended his hand, it was made whole. The worst thing is not that people see that you're broken. The worst thing is that you hide your brokenness so that you seem whole. Today, my invitation is simply that. Whatever leaven you got, bring to the cross. Whatever you have kept out of ignorance or piousness or acceptance, bring it to the cross. Whatever's keeping you from intimacy with Jesus, bring it to the cross. The the ground is level at the foot of this thing. Bring it. Bring it. Who cares what the person that's next to you thinks? Bring it. Come on, let's let's pray. Can you guys stand with me? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to do something we don't always do. But I think there's power in agreement. I'm really going to ask people to respect this moment, this holy moment, because I think the Holy Spirit wants to do something. I'm going to ask you just to keep your eyes closed and your head bowed for a moment. But if you are here today, and you could just say, man, I got some stuff that has kept me. I've allowed some stuff to keep me from intimacy with Jesus that I'm going to repent of today. And I'm going to ask Jesus to come in and be Lord and Savior over that area. I'm going to give him my whole life. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm all in for Jesus. I refuse to allow this stuff to keep me broken and battered. I want the wholeness and the holiness of God in my life. If that's what you're going to pray with me, because I'm going to pray that we're all going to pray together. But if you're going to pray that, can you just lift up your hands? Just lift up your hands as in surrender to God. Just lift up your hands and surrender to God. Sometimes faith just takes action that makes us uncomfortable. No one's counting. No one's looking. But I promise you, there's one in heaven who's rejoicing right now. There's an enemy that's ticked off right now that he's not going to have room to work in your marriage anymore, to work in your desperation anymore, to work in that secret sin anymore. He is desperately mad at you, but there's a God that is celebrating your decision right now. Just pray with me for deliverance. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all the leaven I've kept in my life. I repent right now. I turn away from it. I willingly and openly give you my life. I am responding to you today to say yes, Jesus. To be my Lord and my Savior over every area. I declare today that the enemy has no foothold. That I'm giving the enemy no place. 
that I'm casting out all yeast. That I stand in you and you alone. Fill me with your spirit. Heal what needs to be healed. Deliver what needs to be delivered. Set free what needs to be set free in me. I trust you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah, Lord God, I thank you right now. Hey, let's stay in prayer real quick. I want to pray for some stuff. In the name of Jesus, we're coming against things like gossip and negativity and lust and pornography and anger and addiction and hopelessness and disappointment and disillusionment with God in the name of Jesus Christ. We are coming against the leaven of sexual immorality. We are coming against the leaven of greed, of insecurity. Lord God, of of being hit, of of a need to hide what needs to come into the light. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Help us to not only be doers, but to be beers of who you are. We shatter the darkness. Enemy, we're putting you on notice. You've got no power. There's not one weapon we are allowing that will prosper in our life. We're speaking it out right now. Devil, you're a liar, but my God is my Savior. I may be broken, but He is healing me. He ain't done healing me yet. Oh, there may be a cross in my yesterday, but there's a resurrection in my tomorrow. There may be a crowd cheering crucify him, but there are heavenly hosts rejoicing in heaven today that's praising Jesus because of the decision you made. Jesus, 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 come on. Say it. Man, you just tell it. You tell that weapon. It has no power over you. You say it. You just tell it. You've got no power over me. You're a liar. You're a withered hand. My God has the power to restore. My God is Jesus. He raised He raised from the dead. He rose again. He has power over things visible and invisible. Tell that thing that is hidden in your life to come into the light in Jesus' name. We're going to have the worship team come. We're going to sing just one more song as we worship. This song is every victory. I believe there's victory in this room. Can someone say amen? I believe there's victory in this room. There's not victory because we feel the emotion of the moment. There's victory because the spirit behind that emotion is wooing you to the side of Jesus. And the enemy is losing because the resurrected king is being exalted. If I be lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw you to me. The only thing that can keep Jesus from you is our our inability and unwillingness to lift him up above all things. So I don't care what lie you have believed, what leaven has been in you. Come on, we're going to sing this song and we're going to believe in the power of the resurrected Jesus to heal, deliver, and set free. You may be standing in the gap for a family member, for a friend, for a brother, for a cousin, for an aunt, for a husband, for a wife, for a child who is far from God right now. We are believing in the name of Jesus that as we stand in the gap that the same God that is in this room is moving to their side. Jesus said to the Roman centurion, he said, man, just go, uh, just, just go. And this Roman centurion said, you don't even have to come with me. Send your word. Your word's good enough for me. Your word travels through space and time. I don't, you don't need to come with me. I know your word's enough. And when he said that, his servant was raised up in that very moment. Come on. There's every victory in Jesus. Margo, come on. There's every victory in Jesus.
you guys just stay standing with me for a second? We're going to bring church to a close share. I know that you were on for offering. So I just have something that I felt like God decided for me to share today that I wasn't going to share. But um, before I do that, I just want to remind you that we as a church, we respond with our offering, right? And, And we respond with our hearts. We respond with our minds. We respond with our obedience. And we respond with our tithes and our offering. So you're going to see that there's going to be ways to give on the screens, including one of those cool QR codes that I have absolutely no understanding of. But I see that you raise your phones to them and they work. So you can please be sure before you leave today to sow into this house. That's all. That's that, that sow into this house. Okay, but here's the thing. So several, several, several weeks ago, I had a dream. And it was a dream that I knew as soon as I had it that it was a supernatural dream. It was a dream meaning that the Spirit of God had put on me. It's happened to me a handful of times in my life. It's very distinctive. When it happens, you know it. And this one, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with it. Uh, It affected, and it was a portrait of the global church, and it was painful. And the dream was this. I walked into what I understood to be a very old kitchen. It was a kitchen that you would have understood to be of the 70s. And it was back before people were used to having dishwashers. So there was three dishwashers that had been brought into this kitchen, and they were just standing there, self-standing. And I saw a very, very prominent, dedicated, pure heart of God, pastor of the previous age. They were standing at the dishwasher, frantically washing the dishes, getting them ready to put into these dishwashers. And I was an observer. I wasn't in the stream. I was just watching all of this. And I walked in to the kitchen and I said, oh my goodness, there's so many dishes There's so much to clean. And the person was just serving and serving beautifully and putting the dishes in the dishwasher. But I noted that they had to clean the dishes before they went into the dishwasher, that they were that dirty. And so I decided I'm going to go help. And when I walked through the doorway into the dining room, which was supposed to be in the same house, it was a completely different house. And it was a house that looked beautiful. The kitchen was 70s kitchen. And this room was the most beautiful, light, gorgeous, perfectly amended space. And there was a very, very, very long table. And every prominent Christian voice was seated at this table. Every single one of them. And I looked because I was wondering what was being served. And there were so many plates And all of the plates were dirty. But as I looked and looked and looked, I realized that there had been no food at this feast. There was not a drop of food anywhere, but the plates were so dirty. And I could not understand where all the food was. And then I would go into the kitchen and I would tell this pure in heart prominent person of the previous church age, I don't understand, the the plates are so dirty, but there's no food. And they just kept cleaning it up. And cleaning it up. And so I went back in there and I became aware that there was a person that had then been removed. And I was aware that the the feast, the reason why people had been at this table was because of this person. But this person had then been removed. And no one noticed. And as I looked at them, thinking, well, this will wake everybody up to realize there's no food on the plates, and this is a time to be sad because this person has been removed from their midst. They all just continued as if nothing was registering to them, all doing their normal, it was like hand motions I've seen, and everybody was still normal. And it seared my heart. 
Because when I woke up, I realized that it was this new age of church, capital C, that the world has been depending upon to feed it, has not given it the food, the feast, that it was supposed to be fed. And there is a mess all over these dishes as the food had been pushed around and moved around, but there was not actually mess on the plates from food. It was just from mess. And when something severe happened and this person was removed, nobody stopped. Nobody lost a beat. There was no sadness. There was no mourning. There was no nothing because everyone was committed to what I had told Kyle was, well, I remember it specifically in the dream, saying everybody was still keeping on with their shtick. Everybody was still moving and acting and flowing as if all was well and all was not well. And so then out of nowhere that afternoon that I woke from that dream, a person in the dream texted me and said, if the Holy Spirit gives you anything to say, you need to tell me. This is not a text This is not a dream that you want to text someone about. But I tell you it for a reason, church. This church cannot messy dishes with no food for people to feast from. We have to serve the word of God, the real Jesus on plates, so that when people are fed, they are being fed what they should be fed from the church, capital C, from this church, and from the word of God. We cannot be taken up in the face of church, in the, in the fancy shininess of the church. We must be consumed with the feast that is on that table. And Kyle and I are just but small pieces of what's put on that plate. Because you deposit things into each other that we cannot. So although we feel a great responsibility for your plates not to be dirtied by nothing, please understand that what you have to put on people's plates, it matters. It is of substance. And if you have been finding that you have felt inadequate in feeding, I pray that this reminds you today that it is not too late to learn to cook. (laughs) It is not too late to learn how to peel a banana and give it to somebody. But make sure, church, it's a calling to us that it's pure food. It's true food. It says stand the test of time. It cannot be what looks like food because only the truth will stand in the days to come. Only the truth will of God will stand in the days to come. Only the truth of God will stand in the days to come. So I pray, church, that we are a church that feasts on our on the word and feasts on conversations with God. This is the last thing and then I'll 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 close. I told some of my shoulder to shoulder ladies. This might sound crazy but It's not all just about reading the Bible. Because then God wants to talk to you about it. There's a lot of people reading the Bible. And they don't have intimacy with Him. And in the day of trouble, when you pull from the Spirit of God, and when you pull from the Word of God, it has to be delivered by a person who has spent time with God. Otherwise, it's just dry. So, in these days, don't just learn to read your Word. Learn to talk to him about it. And not just talk to him about it. Talk with him. Listen. Listen. He wants to be heard. So attune your ear to him, church. And understand that this house is dedicated. We might not have fancy plates. It might not be a nine-course meal. But you are going to get the meat of God placed on that plate from which to feast. So would you pray with me as we go? Father, you are holy. 
we see that you are holy. Help us to be holy too. Help me to be holy. As the Lord my God is holy. Holy is your name, the only thing that will remain. God, I pray that we take your name with all of its sacredness and all of its holiness and all of its power and all of its authority and all of its truth. And Father, we hide ourselves behind it. We hide ourselves within it. We stand beneath it. We don't go in front of it. Father, I pray that your name would sound true on our lips so that when people hear us carry your name, it would register as authentic because we have spent time with you. That we use your word, Father, to heal as a solve, God, and not to batter and not to bruise, but to bring healing and wholeness, God. May your name be safe with us, God. May your name be safe within us, God. May your name be safe within us and on us and through us, God. God, teach us to take great care of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you, church, so very much. Thank you for this kind of morning, this kind of church. And yes, Sharon, remember the QR code or whatever you do. There's envelopes. Love you guys. Love you all.